right. We make our way back to our seats. Good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Rich, lead pastor here. Before we get started, I want to really, I was in San Antonio last week, and I'll explain a little bit what I was doing. But really last week, I know we was able to feed over 110 college students. You guys can clap in church. It's okay. Now, everyone who was involved in cooking, serving, pushing, and cooking and serving and pushing, stand up. Come on, if you, in, if you worked in this, if you work, come on, stand up. Our hospitality team, stand up, ma'am. Thank you so much. The, the uh, university staff, thank you so much. It was amazing. You guys ate a lot. No one saved me any cake, so I'm really offended with that. Uh, but I was here, I wasn't here last week. I was in San Antonio, and I want to thank our congregation for me the opportunity to go to San Antonio. Today is their one-year anniversary of the church planted there. And you guys know we support them monthly for the vision of Jesus Christ in San Antonio, Texas. And through your giving, that church, if you didn't know, the average church plant after two years averaged 89 people. Well, they're averaging 143 every week. And that's for you, people getting born again, getting baptized, and that's because of what you've done here in Abilene, Texas. So thank you so much. Uh, and uh, Ben and uh, Randy Chapman, they just said thank you from the bottom of their heart. I'm going to try to get them to come here and hang out with us a little bit, but they're doing amazing work down there because Jesus is amazing, and you guys are amazing for supporting them. Amen? And I know last week someone preached a great message. Where's Alan at? Everyone's like, oh, you're afraid to clap in church. That's why I'm my sermon today. Everyone just clap. Just clap. The message today is called The Fear of Foolish. Everyone feel like they're going to be foolish if you clapped out, if you clap. You can clap while I'm speaking. Clap now. Now, try this. Stand up and clap. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're on week four, Wired. So it's been a great series. Today's called The Fear of Foolishness. I'm going to talk about fear of being foolish, but it's impossible not to be foolish if you're serving God. And we're going to go through the, um, a God, talk about a God this morning, Dave, King David, how he acted foolishly before the Lord. And we're going to have some fun this morning. If you didn't know about fear, it's the fear of foolishness that keeps us from changing majors or changing jobs. It's the fear of foolishness that keeps us from praying for miracles or sharing our faith. Afraid we're going to look foolish. And it's the fear of foolishness that keeps us from worshiping God the way we should. But here's the takeaway. If you're not willing to look foolish you're foolish. If you're, not looking, if you're not willing to look foolish, you're foolish. Remember, if you look to the Bible, there was a whole lot of foolish people. Look at Noah. Noah looked foolish building an ark. Over 100 years building, what are you doing? Building an ark. It never, it's going to rain. We've never heard of rain. <laughs> the Israelites looked foolish, marking, watching around Jericho six times, blowing the trumpet. What are we doing? I don't know. Walking around the building. That's stupid. I didn't mean to say that. But anyway, <laughs> David looked foolish attacking Goliath with a slingshot. You heard Goliath? You coming with a slingshot? Are you crazy? I'm gonna, I can't wait to wear you out. Foolish. A wise man looked foolish following a star. Where you going? It's a star. Savior was born. Okay. Be good on that. 
Be warm and prosper. We'll pray for you. <laughs> Peter looked crazy, stepping out in the boat in the middle of the night. Where you going? Going to meet Jesus. <laughs> Peter, think you had too many bad fish. Looking foolish. Jesus looked really looked foolish, hanging on the cross half naked for us. See, I love what Mark Batterson said. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. If you look at the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 1 27, God enjoys us looking foolish. He says, I chose what is foolish to shame the wise. I, sh- I-, I picked you. Y'all can laugh at that one. Other one, 1 Peter 2 9, I love this one. In the King James, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Which means, we're, it really, looking it up in the Greek, it means we're a chosen person. We're a chosen few people. We're going to look strange in the world. He says, you're peculiar. You're possessed by me. I, you're my special possession. And you're going to look weird. Because look at it. When you talk about worship, you're lifting your hands, and you don't even see who you're, looking, you're lifting your hands to. But we're, he created us to be foolish, especially if we're walking with him. And I want to get told to a story about an amazing king, King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David, after running from Saul for so many years, became, installed as king. And his desire was to bring back the Ark of the Covenant because it's been gone for so many years. When Saul died, he, he died a tragic death. And the, the Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. Now, this is the second attempt. The first attempt, he did it wrong, and someone died for it because God gave instruction on how to move his presence, how to move the Ark of the Covenant. Second time, he got it right. But he did some unique things doing it. He was a king, and he started acting like a priest. But as a king, he kind of went in a whole different direction. And let's start in verse 16. 2 Samuel Chapter 6, verse 16. It says, As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw David leaping and dancing before who? And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent of da- that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. And then all the people departed, each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows, fellows shamelessly, shamelessly uncovering himself. And David said to Michael, it is before the Lord who chose me above your father, Ooh. and above all this house to appoint me a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will make merry before the Lord. I'll make myself more contemptible, which means foolish, than this. And I will be a base in your eyes, but by the female sermons from who you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to that day of her death. Let's pray. Father, I have, and I just pray right now that you teach us 
to learn. Hear what the voice, your voice is saying this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You see, David, the dignitary, acting undignified. Two things, David's worship is undignified, is uninhibited. Undignified and uninhibited. When David worshiped, he was undignified and he was uninhibited. We can cover those. Look at the undignified first. David was a dignitary, looking undignified. Leaping and dancing before the Lord. And it said four times, you're dancing. He was doing this and before the Lord. That's an amazing thing because whenever you want to worship God, you, really, you worship to the audience of one, not to your neighbor, not to the one standing next to you. You worship before God himself. And he recognized that as a king. Just letting it loose, wearing a priestly garment, which was loose. So when he jumped around, he was exposed. And the women they were talking about, whenever a king came back from battle and they won the battle, the women would come out and they would sing songs. Remember later on, early in the scriptures, when they would come back, Saul killed a thousand, but David killed his 10,000. They're all celebrating. It's just a praise to God that they gave them the victory. Well, he was bringing back the ark the very presence of God to put it back in the central of Jerusalem. And he was having a party. And you know how many times when you have a party, you're going to find a party pooper. <laughs> Whenever you try to make a mark in this world, you will find an eraser. And Michael became the eraser. Because when you're worshiping God in an environment like this, some people will be inspired by what God is doing in your life. Others will be convicted. And they will mask their personal conviction by finding something to criticize. What's wrong with them? You don't understand where they came from. How come they, they're crying? Don't worry about it. Reason why? We criticize in others what we don't like about ourselves. We criticize in others what we don't like about ourselves. You wish you were that free. You wish you can be open before God. But when you're convicted, repent, become free, and worship. Don't look at your neighbor and judge them. You don't know where they came from. Everyone came from a different location, from a different circumstance. Some of you are just saying, I'm just glad I got the air this morning to breathe. And you become undignified. It's not, you're not, you're not you know, yourself. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. And he moves you to go ahead and do something beyond what you can't do yourself. There's an old proverb that says, those who hear not the music think the dancer is mad. Those who hear not the music think the dancer is mad. It's possible you come into a place to worship God and don't hear anything because you're so consumed with everything. But other people will hear it. Other people will jump and shout. Others will fall asleep. That means their soul is dead. And dynamite can't blow it up. Think about it. The only place where heaven lines up with earth, when we reach and we reach out to God and we have that vertical connection like heaven's supposed to be, bringing it back the way it's supposed to be when we talked about in the series. Man, you cannot stay the same. And you know when you walk out here an hour and a half, like, man, something's just changed in my life. Why? Because it became the way it ought to be 
And that's what it's going to look like in heaven. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You cannot be tired. You'll always be clapping. You'll always be worshiping God. You say, how holy and awesome you are. I mean, I'm in a cheerleader section. I'm going to be saying, God, God, you gave me my hair back. Yeah. <laughs> Full of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm in the Greek. And theos means full of God, possessed by God. Enthusiastic because you're full of God all week. Not just Sunday, all week. So you can't, you're bubbling over. You can't wait to get here. Can't sleep at night. So my worship team, they want to get, I can't wait to get out here and just worship God. Enthusiasm for our King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, we couldn't hold it together. We're all crying on the front row this morning because of communion, because of the, just the, oh my gosh, the revelation that Jesus gave his life for us when we didn't deserve it. Wow, I know who I was. I know when I cursed him. I know when I rejected him, but that didn't matter. I can love him because he first loved me. And it's hard to fathom, but I tell you what, when he gets into your heart, you said, there's nothing I will not do for you. Jump on my head if I could. I will break dance if I can't anymore. Used to be good at it. I can't do that anymore. And I'm not giving you permission to go ballistic. I'm giving you permission to hear God. One of the words for worship in the Hebrew is halah. means poel, to make a fool or make <laughs> to make into a fool. Poel, to make a fool of, make into a fool. See, if you're not willing to look foolish, you can't worship. Because think about it. You're raising your hands. You don't see them. You're clapping. Who are we clapping for? I don't know. Pastor Rich looks good today. That's not real, right? No. God. Think about it. You don't want to look foolish, you can't worship. Trying to be cool, you dignified, that's pride. What happened to Michael? She was prideful. She was upset her dad was done. So, God, I don't see the way, I don't see the way David sees you. I just see a man jumping around like an idiot. When you get angry with God, you don't see him clearly. You don't even feel him clearly. You don't see anything clearly. The church is sorry. People are sorry because you're mad at God, not at the the church. We represent God, but you're mad, disappointed. See, you know when you really worship? When you disappoint the most. You don't hold on to it. God can handle it. You can scream out, you know, David, can you imagine David? David, most of his time before he came king, he hung out in a cave. Now, you know what he did with his cave? He turned his cave into a tabernacle. How do you know that, Pastor Rich? Look at the book of Psalms. He wrote most of them in the cave. When people are chasing him down, trying to kill him, God, you're awesome. And he has some good prayers. Wipe them out. I said, I love those prayers. (laughs) But he's in the cave, and he took the cave and made it a tabernacle. If we were in a mess or something, turn it around and praise God. It doesn't matter if you have to come here and do that. Do it in your car. They'll look at you at the light. Don't worry about it. At least you're not texting. You're praying. 
Ever worship in your car and your eyes start, oh, man, I got to go through the green, you know. I did that Thursday when I showed up here. I was listening to my favorite song, the anthem, the anthem by the Planet Shakers. Man, when they talking about Jesus, he, he took the victory. Man, that gives me like, whoo. I'm like, I got to go and see how, see how the people. <laughs> and yeah, we realize the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords did it all for us. And that's better than thinking about short term. I'm talking about permanent. I might not get the car I want. I might not get the house I want. But I got all I need in him. Next one, uninhibited. David took off his royal robes. You know what worship is? Just robing and getting naked and exposing ourselves to God. Showing the real you. I tell people all the time, you know, we went... Uh, I said, you know, when you have issues with God, tell him. You, I mean, the Psalms is full. You, that's every emotion. If you read the Psalm, every emotion demands in the Psalms. If you're angry, scream out. He can handle it. Cry. He can handle it. He can handle disappointment. He can handle all those things. He's our God. And that's getting naked. You know how you try to get right before you pray? I'll get right before I pray. When I get up to pray, I'm not brushing my teeth. And he's not going to, he might smell my breath, but he's God. I'm not getting dressed. I'm going to go pray. I'm not going to get ready, take a shower. Okay, look perfect. Like we do on Sundays, I look perfect. No, come to him like you are. He can handle it. That's that relationship that we talk about so deeply, so dearly. We expose ourselves to God. See, what David did when he disrobed, he embraced God, not his title. See, the higher you go in, in your title or your ministry or your job, you can have a habit of having pride and you walk in that title, the dignitary. Versus he said, the one who gave me, made me king is God. The one I'm going to worship is God. The reason I'm still alive is God. So he embraced God, not his title. So when he took it off, he took off his robe, he put on Christ, basically. He put on God. He said, that's my identity. That's who I am here to serve. Doesn't matter if I'm a king. If I don't hear God, we will not have a great kingdom. It's like our lives. If I don't hear God, we won't have a good marriage. We won't have a good household if I don't hear God. And every man here is a king and he's a priest. But you better be a priest before you're the king. Priest means you are studying God. You're getting with God to hear something for your family and for your kids and for your kids' kids. All the men got quiet. Don't worry about it. You can celebrate Sunday, next Sunday when football starts. But if you're, you know, a Dallas Cowboy fan, I don't think you can celebrate. You'd probably be here in uh, sackcloth and ashes, you know. But that's okay. Nan's name is Romo. Anyway, let's go. Yeah, everyone's a priest now, right? Yeah, yeah. What happened to us in Genesis 3-7, remember I went back and worshiped before the fall. The life with God was just unbroken. In Genesis 3, when man fell, 3-7, now they, wouldn't have, they didn't have clothes on then. 
they realized something. They were naked. And they became self-conscious. See, self-consciousness is from the fall. It's part of the curse. Before then, they weren't self-conscious. They were walking around in their body suits. And it would have been a population walking around in their body suits. And what they try to do, cover themselves. And that calls into us. We get self-conscious if we want to worship God. But when he puts us in an environment to go back to the vertical way it was, you got to break that. In fact, that was broken when Jesus came back and died on the cross for us. You don't have to be self-conscious. It's part of the curse. Jesus says this, Matthew 18, 3. You must become like a what? A little child. How many had little children? You ever notice little children, before you give them a bath, <laughs> and if the door's open, and they're running down the street, and you're like, the neighbors are going to see, the neighbors, and they're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Or the little girl when she has a dress. <laughs> There's no subconscious in them. We make them that way. They're not scared of anything. It's all natural to them, right? Like a child. There's no self-consciousness in a child. And y'all mothers know. When I grew up, it was like, I can't spank you in public because that's embarrassing. I said, do it in public because there's witnesses. <laughs> they take you home. There's no self-conscious in, in, in children. That's what he calls us to be like. Be in front of him. Be naked in front of him. Because Jesus laid it all out for us. He laid it all out for us. There's a quote by Eugene Peterson that says this. Worship is a strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. Worship is a strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. That's how our worship team says, look up. Don't look down. Don't look at yourself. Look up at Christ. Get off yourself. Get on him. And when you recognize him, you won't even recognize yourself any longer. How we do this a lot of times, I love Ephesians 5, 18. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. I said, why are you putting out drunk with wine? I guess they were getting drunk with wine. It must have been when I was growing up in the 70s when we were in school and we were going to get some, um, what we call that, Boone Farm? <laughs> and uh, we'll sit on the corner, and all of us thought we could sing. And we sounded pretty good, I thought, because as much as you drank, it sounded very good. And people go by, you guys ought to make a record. Sure. Okay, and we sing. That's all we had. We played basketball and we sung. Sounded pretty good with the wine. The wine was controlling us and giving us boldness. The Holy Spirit controls us and gives us boldness. So I'm saying, when, it, when God moves, and he moves differently on Sundays, not that we can't replicate the same thing every Sunday, but when he speaks to you and he says, raise your hands and clap, whatever, do it. And if it's by God, we'll know it. If it's by you, you'll hear about it. But when the Holy Spirit does it, he's the one that controls us. Be filled with him. And you see, I'm not saying just on Sundays. 
There's a lot of work to do on Monday through Saturday, isn't it? And everyone says, oh, my. Because we don't want to end up like Michael. Religious pride. That's what she had. Makes you unproductive. Religious people, unproductive. Relationship, very productive. Religion tells you to sit down and shut up and be proper. Jesus says, relationship, get up and enjoy me. Religion says, let's just enjoy the building. Relationship says, let's just enjoy Jesus. Only one that can turn a cave into a tabernacle is Jesus Christ himself. Now, what we've been doing, this has been, if you didn't know, this has been a joint effort of putting together this worship. Our worship team, especially, I'm about to always get up this point. Josh and Hannah, our worship leaders, they give me the, all these, these quotes I have. Guys, it's not me. It's they help me with this message, putting this together. And this is something we're going to do annually, talk about worship. But I have them get up and give testimonies. I'm going to have Josh get up this morning and give a testimony of what's going on. And really, um, at the end, I'm going to give, there's a book I want everyone to get. Um, it's called Worship Matters. I was introduced to that by Hannah. It's an amazing book. It talks about us and God and worshiping. But he's going to share a few minutes on um, what God showed him as far as coming to worship. It takes a very brave preacher to let the worship leader come and talk. I know. I know. <laughs> I'll get behind the drums. <laughs> it's okay. Like he said, you know, football doesn't start till next week, so we're good. And, uh, you know, hey, at least our players have all our fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a quarterback who didn't get punched. So, all right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right. war now. So. <laughs> All right, um, you know, I'm trying to decide, and, and when I was trying to prepare for this and trying to think about what God wants me to share um, with you guys on what worship means to me and, and what I've learned uh, the past couple of years, I want to start by telling you guys a short, quick story. So, Justin, if you can put the bridge of all of you on the screen, please. It says, for my healing, my acceptance, for my freedom, resurrection, I will sing out hallelujah for it all. Mm. From my next breath to my last beat, from the mountains through the valley, let it ring out hallelujah for it all. Now, this song is written by a couple who I consider uh, one of my mentors, and I can put a picture up on, please. Um, John and Kelly Owens. Uh, this is them and their family. And you can see... Um, I'm trying to do this without crying. To the right of the screen, um, this is a beautiful girl, and her name is Aria. In the 2011, in 2011, um, they had Aria, but in less than six months later, she passed. No particular reason. They just found her in her crib, having just put her down. And the doctors did all they could to revive her. And um, they couldn't do it. And yet, out of this tragic event, the song that we sang this morning, All of You, is one of the songs that came out from their experience. So what causes someone who's gone through one of the most unimaginable losses to write a song like All of You? There's someone who understands what worship is, who understands that worship, praise, and thanksgiving it's not about us. 
It's not about you. It's not about me. And that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about this morning. Worship isn't about us. It is about the glory, the majesty, and the holiness of an almighty God who through his incredible grace, kindness, and love pursues us relentlessly. We don't gain or earn God's love and grace through worship. We respond to his love and grace that he's giving us and respond to who he is. And because of that, worship and praise and expressing worship and expressing praise is costly. Mm -hmm. It asks us to give up something. It is hard. It can be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it is an act of will, a decision that we make to sing, to praise, and to worship. Not based on what we feel, but on our God, who he is and what he has done. It takes away... It takes away any excuse that we have about, oh, you know, I'm not feeling like it today. Mm. Or, you know, it's just not my personality. You know, they can do their thing, and I'm just going to stand here and do my thing. Now, we're not saying that, you know, if you don't clap your hands or lift your hands up in church, you know, you're not close to God. You know, we're not, hey, those guys don't do anything. So you guys just sit in that corner. We'll, we'll get close to God over here. That's the one I'm not saying. But I propose to you the, the idea, the thought that, whether you're basing your decision not to be expressive in worship mm. on you and your comfort level, or are you doing it based on the character of who God is? And so personally, I think it is more powerful to see someone who is more introverted or, or you know, just typically not very expressive come to church and engage God by lifting their hands or clapping their hands in worship. Because to me, that shows that it is costing them something. And God sees that, and that's incredibly encouraging to me. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, you know, uh, Christians, just act happy, be ignorant of all the stuff that's going around you. That's not what I'm saying. There's been a lot of hard and tragic things going on in our lives and around our country, as you know. We should and need to grieve. It is part of the human process of living in a broken world. And God sees your grief, and he's there with you, and he comforts you. When you don't feel like it, it is okay to grieve. John and Kelly did for a long time. And our, but our circumstances can change, and they will change, but our God doesn't change. Right. Things can go from bad to worse in a blink of an eye, but our God does not change. He is still as glorious, as majestic, and as holy as ever. Mm-hmm. And he is still pursuing us relentlessly and daily out of his grace and loving kindness. And so he still deserves our praise and our worship, no matter what's going on in our lives. And when we do, when we continue to praise and worship God through whatever is going on in our lives, something changes within us, Pastor Rich mentioned that earlier. We begin to focus more on God and less on ourselves. And faith and hope develops and grows exponentially. John said, as Christians, we need to have a certain resolve. And that can't happen. We can't develop the strength, the hope that we have in Jesus unless we learn to praise and worship through our circumstances. And yes, like when we do that, we're going to look foolish to other people. But when we do, and as our faith and hope grows, we become living, breathing sacrifices of praise and worship. And you will bring that to wherever situation you're in, whether you're at work, at school, or at home. 
And you become that's, we can become the story to someone who may need it. Like John and Kelly, who have touched countless other people because of what they've gone through and the songs they've come out of that experience. Yes. And if you're a guest with us today or never been to church or a Christian, you know, it's okay to think we're a little weird, like Pastor Rich was saying earlier. It's not exactly normal to just to come together and raise, uh, raise, <laughs> raise our hands and clap our hands to someone we can't see. But our prayer as a church is that through our worship, you can see and sense the hope that, we car- that, can, carry through us, uh, we, uh, that can carry us through the worst of circumstances, and that hope is Jesus. And as for us, our church, my prayer is that as a church, we can continue to grow in our worship and praise for our God so we can declare with one voice here at Grace Point Church in Abilene, Texas, that no matter what's going on in our lives, from our next breath to the last beat of our hearts, from the mountains and through the valleys, we can with one voice let it ring out hallelujah for it all. Thanks. Man. Wow. Um, put that picture back up. I think there's a secret I can let go now. It's been about four weeks since I went up to the assessment center. John and, um, and his wife are expecting another baby. So, yeah. So, it's been amazing. That's awesome. Thank you, Josh. You know, there's two keys with Josh was saying that I want to share a scripture with you. Psalms 100. It's, a, it's crazy. I call it foolish because... It's written by folks who, this is what they did when they came to church on Sunday, equivalent to our church on Sunday. It's called a, pray, uh, a psalm of praise, but it's a processional one. They would actually, like, if you've been to New Orleans and they're marching down the street because there's a funeral, well, they'll be marching down the street celebrating going into the temple. They were so excited to meet with their God and meet with other people. And that's Psalms 100. It's amazing. And we can all, why don't we all stand? Because we're going to close. I'm going to take the time to read this. And wherever you are, you can thank God because you're here. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever I'm missing in my life, whatever seems to fall apart, the one thing that never falls apart, who never leaves me or forsakes me is him. And I can give praise to him, and then I don't think about what I'm missing. Because I have everything I, everything I need. Him. In Psalm 100, it talks about make a joyful noise. Now, that word means shout. Can everyone shout this morning? Let's everyone go shout. Go shout. Shout. Now, I watched y'all at the football game the other day. Y'all did better than that. Do it again. Feel the room change? All the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. That's why you see so many people serving, smiling, because they're worshiping God. You serve with gladness. You sing. Serving and singing equals worship. Know that the Lord, he is who? God. It is he who made us. We are his. His people. When I met my wife, I said, uh, you with me. What did I say? Was that what I said? You coming with me? You going with me? She said, "You're not going. I'm not going until you put a ring on it." <laughs> so I went out and bought a ring. I said, "You come with me." That's what Jesus did for us. You guys are going with me. You coming with me? 
the sheep of his pasture. Enter the gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is what? The Lord is what? The Lord is what? 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 And his steadfast love endures forever. And faithfulness to what? All what? All what? Generations? There's generations in each and every one of us who's going to be blessed by you and through you. He's good for all reasons. The reason why I can able to praise him in the midst of a storm. I can celebrate because he is God and he is good. And the next thing is, he created me and he has a way of relating to me. That means he's big, but he is personal. That is amazing. That is just totally amazing. That's why you can shout, get a shout on you. And that's not your personality. You'll get over it. You can shout because of that very fact. But it doesn't just stop. There was Old Testament. New Testament, Jesus came and died on the cross for us. I am free from sin. I am free from the power of death. I am free from the power of sin. I am free. And those who are free are free indeed. Oh. But the word of God is so powerful. We need it more today than anything else. You read, you read USA, it's going to get you depressed. USA Today. You read the Bible, it's going to lift you up. That's a deposit that we need every day. Because there's a quote, again, out of Worship Matters. I love this book. Singing, shouting, and dancing, lifting hands, bowing, kneeling. All these and others can honor God when done in the heart of an expression of what? Gratefulness for God's grace. And they should be an overflow. Everyone say overflow. Everyone say overflow. Of the worship we give to God throughout our daily lives. That is the book by book, Worship Matters. It's a daily thing to get up every morning and say, God, thank you for the air that I'm able to breathe. Thank you for the safety of getting up this morning. And I pray for my brothers and sisters all next door to me and all around. But God, I want, before I even ask for a request, I want to say thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're awesome. Thank you that you relate. Thank you that you're all powerful. Thank you there's nothing hard for you. Thank you there's nothing impossible for you. Thank you that you do all things well. And I mean, thank you that even, even me, I'm very good. Because that's what you call my, you, his creation. See, if you're not look, willing to look foolish, you're foolish. If you're not willing to look foolish, you become foolish. But you know, I think it's time for the body of Christ to start looking foolish. Have some of our leaders come up and close. You need prayer as we close today.